the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WWTC Minneapolis St. Paul FM 107.5 K298CO Minneapolis fueled by Lucky Station With SRN News, I'm Ron DeRockstra. Vice President Mike Pence in Virginia this morning where he addressed graduates at Liberty University telling the class of 2019 it's a perfect time to find jobs. You picked a great time to graduate because after two years of the leadership of President Donald Trump, jobs are coming back and America is back. You are entering a growing American economy. Mr. Pence recognized the parents and loved one of the graduates and their contributions to helping the students get it done. A potential deal to sell a shuttered General Motors plant in Ohio, still leaving the factory's future very much up in the air. One reason is the buyers that's looking at the site as a new electric vehicle maker that has only 100 employees and has serious financial concerns. GM confirmed this past week it's negotiating the sale of its massive plant in Lordstown. This is SRN News. Dennis Prager explains the downfall of our society. Secularism produces knowledge, but not wisdom. Any secular people probably were raised religious because the longer one has uh, is devoid of God and religion, the longer the generation span, the more foolish the human being becomes in virtually every instance. The Dennis Prager Show, weekdays at 11 on AM 1280, The Patriot, Intelligent Radio. Hour two of the Nard coming up here on AM 1280, The Patriot, with the headliner Mitch Bird. Of course, you ever miss one of the programs, all podcastable at am1280thepatriot.com. I'm Lee Michaels, that forecast for today, increasing clouds. We'll see a chance of a scattered shower or thunderstorm tonight with a low near 47 for Mother's Day. Could see a chance of showers early, otherwise, mostly cloudy and a high around 60. Warms up for Monday. This is the Northern Alliance Radio Network, the longest-running conservative talk show in the Twin Cities. It's great to be back in Minnesota today. Political analysis of the good, the bad, and the outright crazy. Now, here's your headline act, Mitch Bird. AM 12A, The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network. My name is Mitch Bird. My blog is... Shotinthedark.info. Uh, of course, going on 16 years dominating Twin Cities Weekend Radio and having fun doing it. Dominating with a smile. It's it's rare, rare that you find a, such a benevolent despot, and yet here you are, and I'm here, all of you are, I'm still with me after all these years, which never ceases to amaze me, but I love it. 651-289-4488, the number to call. Uh, by the way, you can also join us on hashtag Narn Show. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. I'll be back here tomorrow in for Brad Carlson from 1 to 3 during his normal time slot. Uh, Brad is off on assignment tomorrow. He'll be back the following week. And uh, King Banyan, of course, back every Saturday morning from 9 to 11 on our sister station, AM 1440, 
the businessman. Well, we have been following a lot of legislation as it wends its way through the Minnesota State Legislature, and there's, there have been some big ones. Obviously, statewide, the big one is the gas tax. For those of us who are of the Second Member persuasion, it is red flag gun confiscation and universal registration laws. But the one that has concerned us in many ways is a Republican proposal to jack up the taxes on electric vehicles. And with us, a woman who's been monitoring this story for quite some time now, uh, joining us again, Liz Mayer from Mayor Strategies. Liz, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Oh, always a pleasure, Liz. So when we last left this off, uh, the, nobody had pounded a spike through the head of this bill uh, through the head of this bill yet. And uh, we'll come back to that in just a second here. But I, I've been seeing more of this in the news nationwide over this past month since we started talking about this mm-hmm. issue. Over this last week or so, news came out that Illinois is uh, looking at a thousand dollar a year tax on electric vehicles and when i mean we can always take some comfort here in minnesota that illinois is crazier than us uh on the other Mm -hmm. hand it's it's a low bar to 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 stand up to here but it seems to be the fad these days liz mayor yeah it does seem to be a fad and you're right about illinois i think as a general rule most states should look at illinois and say god whatever they're doing let's just do the exact opposite Uh, that seems to be sort of a sound rule for public policy making but also you know right before this segment started um there was a mention in your news clip about what's been going on in ohio with this former gm factory um, that was supposed to be transitioned to ev production Um, and i think it's interesting that Ohio started pursuing these EV tax increases, the same as uh, Republicans are proposing doing in Minnesota. And, oh, look, just as that became a plausible thing that could go on the books policy-wise, the buyer for that plant and the proposed plan for that plant up and disappears, leaving those workers again in jeopardy, um, and uh, basically meaning that the plant is still set to be shuttered. Um, And so I think that's, that's a really important thing for Minnesota to be looking at because, you actually do have a bunch of workers in Minnesota who would be adversely affected by the same policy going on the books in Minnesota. It's not just bad because it's a tax increase and Republicans shouldn't support tax increases because it will lead to them being credibly attacked by the DFL for it and they will lose seats over it. They also should be opposing this because you know, recently you've had miners in the north who have been moving more into Republican territory. They mine minerals that can be used in car batteries. Um, There is the prospect of them uncovering more minerals that could be used in that way. Realistically, those people are going to be less inclined to vote Republican if they think Republicans are trying to put them out of a job or raise the cost of what they produce and make it less likely that people will buy it. You have an automation facility in Brooklyn Park um, that is owned by Tesla. If you start hammering EVs, you know, realistically, that's going to dissuade investment in the state. You also have this electric bus facility in St. Cloud. And so when you look at all of these things, plus the fact that the auto dealers really strongly oppose this legislation and they are Republican and they are, more importantly, Republican donors, not just voters, the politics of this really fall apart as anything that's rational. And that's setting aside the fact that from a policy perspective, it is just plain stupid. Absolutely. And and leaving aside the, the political angle, I mean, the Republican Party worked long and hard to flip the 8th Congressional District, and we would hate to screw that up right. now that we have a good Republican in office up there. Also, 
Correct. If you live in the metro area here if, if for any length of time, you know how hard it's been to get any kind of manufacturing in the northwest suburbs of the Twin Cities. It's been kind of blighted and down market for quite some time here right now. Every manufacturing job we can get up there helps. And now we're threatening them directly, which is just penny penny stupid and pound stupid in both cases. Yeah, I think that's correct. And I think if you look at what's happened in Ohio with regard to that facility, it proves the point, right? Um, It's not just a Minnesota-specific thing. There is precedent now to suggest that if you pursue these kinds of tax hikes, it's going to have an adverse effect actually on manufacturing workers, which is exactly contrary to what the Republican Party purports to stand for right now. I mean, I'd also just add to this that I just I I really query why this is even necessary. I mean, one of the better articles about this that came out of... um, I believe it was, you know, the Pioneer Press. Um, they're saying that currently there is a $1 billion projected budget surplus, which is one of the reasons that Republicans have been hesitant to vote for a gas tax increase. I guess my question is, if you've got a $1 billion projected budget surplus, why are you voting for any tax increases? If you have a surplus, <laughs> you sit on it and use it for a rainy day or, better yet, return it to actual taxpayers. I just don't know why Republicans are voting in a way that seems more emblematic of the DFL here than what the party is supposed to stand for. And I'll also just add to that that, you know, I personally discussed this with Grover Norquist for Americans for Tax Reform. I don't know if he has sent a letter to people in the state capitol, but from his perspective, this is a very clear tax increase. It is not a fee increase the way that Republicans are trying to dress it up. And his view on it is that, as with every tax increase, he opposes it. And I just think, you know, at the end of the day, if you're a Republican and you're getting on the wrong side of people like Grover Norquist on what's a tax, what's a fee, and what's a tax increase, that just is not going to bode well for how your political opposition will leverage this in the next election. Absolutely. Of course, you've tripped into, and of course, you're not a Minnesotan, Liz, so you're not aware that there is a tradition in Minnesota. Uh, three three great Minnesota traditions are professional sports teams choking, always, Uh us joking about the us joking about the weather and turning taxes uh, surpluses into unsustainable permanent spending, which our, our last our second to last re- Republican governor Arnie Carlson uh, made a tradition as he took eight years of surpluses and uh, turned them into doubled uh, permanent spending. Anyway, uh, we're hoping to be beyond that, and we were for quite some time. Let's see if we can do that uh, ongoing here now. Liz Mayer, uh, since the last, I mean, everything we've gone over so far is stuff we've already discussed to some level here, although it hasn't changed. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the legislation that's wending its way through the uh, Minnesota legislature right now. Right. So this is actually in the transportation bill. It's not in the broader bill that people are looking at to see if there are tax increases. And this is one of the problems is that Republicans are going around saying, oh, yeah, but when we're talking about the budget, we don't have tax increases in there. Well, that's fine. But there are other bills where there are tax increases that are a possibility, and this is one of them. So um, it appears that this has passed the Senate. Now we're in a position where they're going to get a conference over it. Um, I mean, I, I dread to think that it's going to be the DFL that are going to save Minnesota taxpayers from any kind of a tax hike, and I'm sure that they have other tax hikes they will be pursuing. But in practice, this is one of those things that I certainly would hope goes away in conference because, you know, first of all, you do have that $1 billion projected surplus. I doubt this is going to add much to the coffers because even though it is a pretty steep jump in taxes on individual electric vehicles sold, it will take those taxes up from $75 to $200. The reality is there just aren't that many electric vehicles that are on the roads in Minnesota. So this isn't going to be a big driver of any spending that can be used to fill extra potholes or anything like that. 
So at the end of the day, I mean, it's not going to do a lot except be punitive and give, uh, you know, DFLers a big cudgel to use against Republicans in the next election and piss off a bunch of key Republican or Republican-leaning constituencies. Um, So we'll have to see. I think it's going to be a very interesting conference. But at the end of the day, my hope is that this falls by the wayside, because certainly when this proposal originally came up in the Transportation Committee, um, there was pretty stiff Republican opposition to it, and it only made it out on a completely divided vote purely based on who the chairman was. So it really isn't something that should be put on the books. It's clearly politically contentious, um, and I think it would be smart if Republicans used the opportunity of the conference to walk away from it. So, but judging by the path you've described, Liz Mayer, the the bill doesn't sound like it has a lot of momentum. It has advocates. It has legislative backing pushing it, obviously, since it's gotten out of committee so far. It's gotten through the, it's made some of the procedural hurdles so far, but it doesn't seem to be rolling along with momentum of its own. Any way of, a couple questions here, any way of reading the tea leaves as to to what the future of this bill, what what its uh, prognosis may be? And uh, second point. Uh, how what what are what are the chances uh, from your, where you sit of killing this in conference committee? Where where are things sitting with the uh, the various parties involved, Liz Mayer? Yeah, so I think I mean one of the key problems is that I think a lot of Minnesotans simply aren't aware, and probably even people voting on the legislation simply aren't aware that this tax increase is in there. That's a challenge. So I would say for everybody who's listening to this, if you oppose Republicans getting on board with tax increases and you're in a Republican Senate district, you should probably call your senator and tell them that this is stupid policy and you don't want it. And I think if that happens, that changes the political calculus quite a bit. As far as what will happen in conference, it's really difficult to say because obviously, you know, I think the DFL does want to bring more transportation funding in and there is a bunch of infrastructure that they want to undertake um, and they have their own proposals for how to fund that. Um, this isn't really how they would prefer to do it. My suspicion is, given where the governor is and given where the House is, probably realistically this doesn't have as much political appeal as other things. Um, nonetheless, you know, I think the fact that it just hasn't been seized on the way that a proposed gas tax hike has could make it a little bit easier for it to sneak into a final package. So, you know, I would say to Minnesotans, be vigilant about this, because at the end of the day, if your view is that there is this one billion projected surplus, you should be asking people from both parties, why are they pursuing tax increases? And this is one that is objectionable in the same way as any other tax increase that you're going to be looking at. Um, you know, gas tax increases are not popular. Uh, this should not be popular either. At the end of the day, you don't have a ton of electric vehicles on the roads in Minnesota. They're probably not resulting in a lot of wear and tear. Um, and it's not likely to do a lot that's positive in terms of helping with transportation funding. So hopefully people will call their legislators and let them know that this is, in fact, in this package. It's not just, you know, cool, new, flashy items like allowing you to go five miles an hour faster if you're passing a car in, like, the left-hand lane. Um, There are, in fact, bad things in here. And, uh, you know, much as I like being able to go faster when I'm passing cars, too, Um, my preference would be to not have my legislators voting for tax hikes. And so hopefully that message will actually be received by members of the legislature. And polling over this past week has shown that the the gas tax that Governor Waltz uh, keyed much of his campaign on is about as polling somewhere below getting kicked in the teeth hard. Uh, So that's that's something that I would hope the Republicans in this state would realize. Taxes are not going over especially well with the body politic, uh, even after the, the reverses of 
this last election. So, Liz Mayer, uh, one last which which uh, obviously we want people to call their Republican senators uh, and finding the senators uh, finding the, the parties to the conference committee probably wouldn't be a bad idea either. Getting filling yes, up their yeah. inboxes as well here. This is which conference committee now? Do you know that one offhand? I'll have to look that one up here. You know, I'm not actually 100 percent who's on the conference committee, but all of this has flowed through the transportation committee. So I would say taking a look at the members that are on that would be a good place to start. But, yeah, in general, at the end of the day, before the legislature wraps up, everybody who is in it, whether they're in the House, the Senate, DFL, Republican, they're all going to have to take a vote on this. So if you're listening to this and you object to people pushing tax hikes, especially tax hikes that don't actually result in anything that's particularly beneficial mathematically and just look punitive, um, I would say it's important for you to reach out to your legislator because they're all going to have to take on a vote on this one way or another. And this is one of those rare issues where it doesn't matter if you're represented by a Republican or, like me, a Metro Democrat. Uh, there is something to be said for, for contacting your legislator, no matter who they are in yeah, this correct, case. Yeah, correct, because... Well, and I, I would just add to that. I mean, yeah, if you're represented by a Democrat, I mean, I, you know, personally, I think that it's less likely the Democrats are going to support this proposal and they probably would support others. However, there is the possibility and there's a real question to be asked. I mean, you know, there are a lot of Republicans that like the idea of doing things that are punitive to electric vehicles because they just don't like Tesla or what have you. But if you are represented by a Democrat, I mean, I would really query why a Democrat would get behind raising taxes on electric vehicles when we have people going out there talking about how these are the solution to climate change. <clears throat> I mean, at the end of the day, you don't have to take that view yourself personally, but it does raise questions about why DFLers would actually vote for this. As far as Republicans are concerned, you know, I'm a staunch Republican and I'm extremely fiscally conservative and I don't like a lot of the giveaways that necessarily tend to go towards more green industries. But fundamentally, if you're raising taxes, that's one of the things you're not supposed to do as an economic conservative. And I just don't know how anybody with a Republican label after their name who calls himself a conservative can vote for this tax increase. I simply don't know how. Couldn't agree with you more. Liz Mayer from Mayor Strategies, thanks for keeping us up to date on this. Do stay in touch. This is, uh, this is vital stuff. Keeping the Republican Party honest is a full-time job, even for Republicans in this state. So thank you very yes, much, indeed. Liz Mayer. As always. Thank you so much. Thank you. Liz Mayer from Mayor Strategies. Uh, by the way, you can uh, listen to all the previous I- installations of this uh, subject at am1280thepatriot.com slash podcasts. Interesting stuff. Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM1280, The Patriot, Gun Nowhere. Be right back. And then we'll take it higher. Hey, it's Lee Michaels here with one of the newest members to the Patriot family. So proud to be associated with the Mike Murphy team with EXP Realty. And with us is Sharon Murphy. So great to have you here, Sharon. Well, thanks, Lee. We're excited to work with the Patriot and your listeners. So tell us, what makes EXP Realty so different? Well, EXP is a cloud-based brokerage. We like to call it the future of real estate. A lot of people get frustrated with the gimmicks and overpromises of many other real estate agents. Who can blame them? We pride ourselves on being different. No gimmicks, just great service. When you call our number, you'll speak to me or my husband, Mike, not an inexperienced team member. That's great. So how do we get a hold of you? Give us a call at 651-216-7870 or go to MikeMurphyTeam.com. So if you're thinking of selling your home, check out Mike Murphy Team with EXP Realty, 651-216-7870 or online at MikeMurphyTeam.com. American pressure, 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 spray it, don't say it. 
Do you have a pressure washer in your shop that takes diesel fuel or kerosene? Are you tired of filling that tank every day? A stationary pressure washer that heats the water with natural gas or electricity from American Pressure is a great solution. Call us to discover all the ways a new stationary machine could benefit your business. We are always glad to come out to you, look at your current setup, and make recommendations. That new stationary unit will hook up to your existing natural gas line, which will save you both the cost of fuel as well as the time and effort and mess of refueling a pressure washer. The pressure washer will exhaust through the roof of your building or out the sidewall. And if it's an all-electric unit, there will be no exhaust stack at all. In addition, we've got all the right accessories to go with your machine, including trolley systems, hose reels, wands, trigger guns, and everything you need to make the cleaning job as easy and safe as it can be. As leftist waves of false accusations, radical policy, and fake news continue to crash on shore, it's up to us to prevent our American values from eroding away. Join us in keeping the Twin Cities right and welcoming to town our newest on-air host. Dive in. Dinner and discussion with Dr. Sebastian Gorka is a -a one-of-a-kind event at Minnesota Zoo's gorgeous Discovery Bay a unique space surrounded by a million gallons of water full of jellyfish, sharks, and all sorts of sea life. Immerse yourself in intelligent conversation about the heated 2020 presidential race, Dr. Gorka's time on staff at the White House, religious liberty, and much more. Dive in. Dinner and discussion with Dr. Sebastian Gorka arrives at port on Saturday, June 15th. This is an exclusive event, and seating is limited. Swim over to am1280thepatriot.com today. AM 280, den Radio. Ich heiße Michel Berg. Aber ich spreche Deutsch. Oh, wait, we're in America. You see, I speak German, so I figured, what the heck? I would come out and start talking German because everyone benefits from exposure to other cultures. It's part of our diversity. Granted, Germany doesn't get a lot of press in America these days. It's all about diversity with with regards to Latin Americans and asylum seekers from the Middle East and so forth, but... Anyway, that is for me and interesting topic. Oh, sorry, no, Norwegian doesn't work either. We're this is an English-speaking radio station. I I don't know why I would lapse into another whole language. Sixteen in. I can't do phone numbers in Norwegian yet. 651-289-448. I bring this up because America has always been a diverse country, racially, ethnically, linguistically. Uh, it's, it's, why, it's, it's shaped what this nation is in, in many ways. And, and studying that has kept many a, a sociologist, an ethnographer, linguist, a pollster busy for... Well, pretty much this entire nation's history. And there's an interesting uh, survey from Pew Research that came out this past uh, week, uh, dated May 8th, entitled Americans See Advantages and Challenges in Countries Growing Racial and Ethnic Diversity. Uh, 
slug line, most value workplace diversity, but few want employers to consider race or ethnicity in hiring and promotion decisions, which seems rather commonsensical to, to most people, I think. Uh, as the United States, become, and this is, I'm quoting Pew Research's report, uh, a news release on the subject, and I quote, as the United States becomes more racially and ethnically diverse, and as companies from Wall Street to Silicon Valley grapple with how to build workforces that reflect these changing demographics, Americans have a complicated, even contradictory set of views about the impact of diversity and the best way to achieve it. Most say it's a good thing that the country has a diverse population. But many also say this introduces its own set of challenges. By the way, we talked about this last week on the broadcast, uh, how diversity can be a strength, provided everyone's pulling in the same direction, provided everyone, all those diverse stakeholders, are pulling towards the same basic goal. I, I don't think any reasonable person can disagree with this. Unfortunately, we're not dealing with reasonable people on the other side of this argument to, large, uh, to a large extent. And while a majority values workplace diversity, few endorse the idea, I'm quoting Pew here again, of taking race or ethnicity into consideration in hiring and promotions, according to the new Pew Center Research Survey. When it comes to diversity in communities where they live, most Americans... Two-thirds, including a majority of those who live in neighborhoods with little diversity, are satisfied with the racial mix in their area. A majority, 54%, say children should go to local schools, even if that results in most schools being less diverse. Fewer, about 42%, say children should go to schools that are racially and ethnically mixed, even if that means some students go to school outside their local community. Overall, White, black, and Hispanic adults are about equally likely to say it's good that the U.S. population is racially and ethnic, ethnically mixed. And majorities across those groups say that it has been a positive impact on U.S. culture. But black Americans place more value than whites and Hispanics on workplace diversity and school integration. Now, I'm going to continue one more paragraph from Pew here. Opinions on these issues also vary considerably along party lines with Democrats and those who lean to the Democratic Party more likely than Republicans or Republican leaners to express positive views on the importance and impact of racial and ethnic diversity. This is the case even after taking into account the differences in the racial composition of the two parties, which is perhaps not a huge surprise. However, bottom line is, and if you look at the, the survey uh, summary from Pew, which, by the way, for a pollster, generally regarded, even across the board, even among conservative circles, as generally fairly reliable. Uh, the, the numbers look fairly good. I mean, I mean, majorities of every community you can imagine say racial and ethnic diversity is very good for this country. Uh, over half of whites, almost two-thirds of blacks, about about the same number of Hispanics uh, think it's generally good. And, and the... the Net numbers are pretty much 75 to 80 percent of all these communities, black, white, uh, Hispanic, all agree that more diversity is a good thing. Republican leaners are uh, about two thirds in favor, but then uh, so are Dem uh, Democrats more like 85 percent uh, among whites, um, about, about two thirds, roughly three quarters uh, among. Uh, well, actually, two thirds among those with high school educations. Uh, and it heads up towards 80% those for uh, for whites with some sort of college. Uh, it's, it's relatively similar to slightly higher among African Americans, uh, both with high school and college educations. I mean, within 
a little bit outside the the mar- uh, margin of statistical error for uh, African Americans with college uh, education of one degree or another. Uh, and the, the statistics go on from there. Six in ten of Americans of across the board say that ethnic diversity has a positive impact on the cult- country's culture. And that is true among uh, Republicans as well as Democrats. I mean, the vast majority uh, say uh, of Republicans, I mean, almost seven out of 10 say that it is uh, positive or doesn't make an impact. Actually, eight out of 10, if you count uh, no impact uh, or not much impact. And about 20 percent say it's a negative thing. Among Democrats, it's, it's considerably lower. Um, diversity makes it harder for policymakers to solve problems. That we well, that that has popped up on uh, on all sides. There's a general agreement, uh, uh, a, a strong sense of agreement, and a strong sense of disagreement. It's about fifty fifty on both sides. That diversity makes it harder to solve problems, and there is uh, broad support across all ethnic, uh, educational, and political lines. That uh, support for work uh, support for workplace diversity is a good thing, but race, race and ethnicity should not be a factor in hirings and promotions. Even African Americans are strongly, in fact, more strongly in favor. Well, promoting promoting diversity eighty percent, uh, whereas even among African Americans, less than four in ten said uh, race should be considered for applicant uh, for promotions and hiring. And it's about 50% higher than it is among whites and Latinos. So, and, and this poll goes on. I mean, this study, I should say, from uh, the Pew Research Group goes into a lot of different areas. Uh, more than half say students should go to schools in their local community, even if it is less diverse, which this broadcast supports, uh, not for ethnic reasons, but because the closer your school is connected to your community, the better the education is. Uh, even in less diverse neighborhoods, Americans are generally satisfied with their racial mix in their communities. Uh, and v- views of ethnic diversity vary by race, by education, by location. And by the way, that makes sense since Republicans are disproportionately likely to come from places with relatively lower uh, diversity levels, unless you start talking about Texas, where the Latino community is a very strong minority. Uh, on the other hand, relatively few Americans actually do interact with people from other racial ethnic groups. As I've tried to get across here, this survey covers a lot of different areas. And I'm going to go through the rather disingenuous reportage on one of those areas when we come back. So, bis zum Schmeter, Northern Alliance, Radio Verband, AM 200, Asik, The Patriot. Oh, I did it again. Dish TV is better than cable TV. Here's why. Dish has the nation's lowest TV price, along with an award-winning DVR that can skip commercials, record eight shows at once, and get access to thousands of movies at your fingertips. Cable simply can't even compare. So the smart choice is to cut the cable and get Dish. Plus, you get all these great TV features, free HD DVR upgrade, free installation, and free movie channels. Say goodbye to cable and get more with Dish TV. 800-293-0328. 800-293-0328. As an added bonus, you can switch to Dish now and receive a $50 Visa gift card. So call now and get Dish TV. 
Call 800-293-0328, 800-293-0328. That's 800-293-0328. Limited time offer, 24-month commitment and credit qualification required. Cancellation fee, monthly equipment fees, and other restrictions apply. Promotion can change at any time. According to a recent Barna study, schools are seen as a negative influence on faith formation. Church leaders view parents, churches, and Christian communities as positive influences on a child's spiritual life. However, children are spending most of their daytime weekday hours at school, which is perceived by many church leaders as a negative influence. A good Christian school can provide a strong Christian community to help positively influence your child's spiritual formation. At TwinCitiesTuitions.com, we believe in the power of Christian education so much, we have partnered with local Christian schools to offer half off your child's first year of tuition. It's our half-off tuition program. To find out if the school you are considering is part of this program and to take another great step in your child's faith formation, call me, Alyssa Brecken, at 651-289-4406. That's 651-289-4406. Or visit our website at TwinCitiesTuitions.com. People looking to buy a new fence in Minnesota are lucky. Lucky because unlike with other types of purchases, when it comes to buying a new fence, the choice has been made so darn easy. Only one company truly stands above the rest and has for a long, long time. Midwest Fence has not only been around far longer than anyone else and thus is far more experienced, they're the largest fence company in the state, which means Midwest Fence has the greatest variety of fence designs. You won't believe the seemingly endless styles you can choose from these days. And Midwest Fence buys in such bulk they can keep their prices lower than other companies. That's why if you're ready for a fence, you're just plain lucky. The legendary fence company that's been making people smile since Truman was president is but a phone call away and ready to stop out and deliver a free estimate. Your turn to smile, folks. Learn more at MidwestFence.com. AM 1280, The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network, 651-289-4488. Don't forget, dive in with Sebastian Gorka. Get your tickets. AM 1280thepatriot.com. It's about a month away right now. Still got time to get in on it, although not if you want to sit at Dr. Gorka's table or the Narn table. Sorry, we tried. Those tickets go fast. But the dinner tickets and the meet and greet tickets still available. They will go fast. We're going to sell this thing out. We will. Get in on it now. Go to am1280thepatriot.com. I'm not sure what's on the drink menu, but it might be... We'd have to hope. 651-289-4488. The number to call. Now, I was talking before the break about a, uh, a survey uh, put out by Pew Research, and it's, it's a big survey that went through a bunch of different aspects, at least a dozen separate uh, topics and subgraphs based on, on America's views about the advantages and challenges of the country's growing ethnic and racial diversity. We had some basic attitude things. Like, what do you think about your community? Are you satisfied with the, with the ethnic mix? Uh, is it important for your kids to have diverse, more important for your kids to have diversity or localized education? Uh, and there's a huge number of different subjects involved, including what what do you think diversity does 
for democracy in the United States. And the subject, I mean, I mean, there's a dozen different subjects you can pick out here. One of them, and I say again, one of them uh, is how many Americans says it bo- say, say that it bothers them to hear people speak a language other than English in public? Uh, it, it pointed, uh, Pew points out, and I quote, <clears throat> most Americans say they would not be particularly bothered if they heard people speak a language other than English in a public place, including 47% who say they would not be bothered at all. Still, a sizable share, 29%, say that it was bother them at least some. Roughly a third of whites, 34%, and about a quarter of blacks and Asians, 24% each, say they would be bothered if they heard people speak a language other than English in public. Smaller share of Hispanics say the same. Of course, many of them are bilingual, as it happens, but by no means all. Anyway, about two-thirds of Hispanics uh, say this wouldn't bother them at all, compared with about half or fewer whites or blacks or Asians. Foreign-born Hispanics are more likely than most born in the United States to say they would not be bothered at all if they heard someone speak a language other than English, which makes perfect sense since they're foreign-born and largely uh, native speakers of Spanish, probably Portuguese as well, since that qualifies. So this is, again, one of a dozen different topics relating to racial, ethnic uh, and linguistic diversity in this country. And you look at the actual numbers, uh, the percentage you say it would bother them at least some, to hear a foreign language in public. Uh, the numbers are relatively, I mean, the numbers of people who say not much, it wouldn't bother them a lot, are very, very close together. Uh, the percentage of people who say it would bother them considerably, again, within a few points of each other for black and white Americans, considerably lower for Hispanic and Asians. And I'm going to suggest to you that's because many more of them come from places where you, they are, in fact, they grew up speaking these other languages. Now, among all races, the number uh, of those disapproving increases with age and uh, increases uh, or decreases with more education. That's fairly, uh, that's, that's not an especially big leap. One thing that the survey doesn't show, well, I'll come back to that, what, what it didn't show, because the survey itself, Pew, again, fairly, fairly, uh, down the down, relatively, they're they're a polling agency with some sense of integrity, which is more than you can say for the American media in their reporting on this. The Washington Post uh, ran a report. Uh, the headline it screams out at you: "Nearly half of white Republicans say it bothers them to hear people speaking foreign languages," and it repeats most of the numbers I just read off here. But it focuses on the disapproval among whites. And it, and it adds something that, down a few paragraphs, uh, after reading off some of the same numbers that I read off regarding the disapproval or the reaction of people to different uh, to, to the idea of people speaking a different language in public around them, uh, and adds this, and I quote, the study follows a number of high-profile confrontations between English and Spanish speakers. Last year, a U.S. Border Patrol agent uh, detained two women, both U.S. citizens, when he overheard them speaking Spanish at a gas station in Montana. In New York, a man launched into a rant after hearing deli workers conversing and threatened to call immigration authorities. Well, now, why did these get thrown in? I mean, that's the question I have. Why did these two episodes get thrown in? to a piece on 
people's just intrinsic attitudes about, about different languages. For the same reason that they chose the headline, nearly half of white Republicans say it bothers them to hear people speaking foreign languages, when the percentage of people who are actually bothered to hear foreign languages doesn't change that much. I mean, yes, whites and blacks are fairly close together in terms of overall interest, positive and negative, in people speaking foreign languages. I mean, Hispanics and Asians considerably less bothered for reasons that should be obvious to anyone who studies the ethnography of these populations. Whites and blacks tend to be less favorably disposed. But again, the numbers aren't that far apart. Now, here's the number. By the way, uh, it's the numbers of people who are bothered a little, some, not much, no matter who you're talking about, whites, blacks, Asians, Hispanics, the the percentage of people who are bothered some or not much, in all cases, dwarf the number of people who are bothered a lot by people uh, speaking foreign languages. Let's run down the numbers here. Among whites, the percentage bothered a lot by people speaking foreign languages, 14% to 9 for African Americans, 5 for Hispanics, 6 for Asians. Actually, 3 for Hispanics, 6 for Asians. Uh, Again, for... Those bothered some, 20% for whites, 18 for blacks, 10 for Hispanics, 18 for Asians. Hmm. Uh, Though those bothered not much, little at all, about the same, 25 for whites, 26 for blacks, 25 for Asians, 17 for Hispanics. So the percentage of those bothered some or not much, pretty steady across ethnic groups except for Hispanics. So why is this being portrayed as white white xenophobia? And why is it juxtaposed with these two episodes of, A, official overreach, I mean, a couple of Border Patrol ag- agents acting like idiots, and uh, a guy having a temper tantrum in a New York deli? Why? And by the way, it's in New York, a place with ample ethnic diversity on display every day. So what does this have to do with... The issue at hand. Well, the answer is nothing. It it has to do with the issue behind the issue. The media trying to support big left's narrative that whites and Republicans, and especially white Republicans, are xenophobes who hate diversity. Except the numbers, 25% bothered some. Excuse me, 20% bothered some. 25% bothered not much at all. And 41% of whites not being bothered in the least doesn't support that idea. Is being bothered some by hearing a different language or just to maybe a little bit, not much, which accounts for 45% of whites across the board. Uh, and, and by the way, the number is very consistent with that for Republicans, uh, not broken down by race in any way. Uh, very, very similar numbers. 53% uh, bothered some or not at all as opposed to uh, uh, 45% among whites in general. Is that consistent with xenophobia and hatred, or is there something else at play here? Well, the answer is, we don't know. Because the Pew poll doesn't go into specifics behind the answers. I will tell you this. Now, I enjoy foreign language. I'm a linguistics geek. I favored you with a bit of German and Norwegian. 
En ik ga ook een beetje Nederlands. Also. Oh, that's Dutch. Sorry. Does that bother you? Well, of course, it doesn't have to bother you. I mean, on the other hand, language is something that excludes people who don't speak it. And that that's a problem for people. I, I know I hear, I can speak German. I can speak some Norwegian. I can even get around a little bit in Dutch. I can order a beer and find a bathroom in about half a dozen other languages. But unless I'm speaking in a room with a majority of speakers of that language, I and most people who are to some extent multilingual don't do it because it is a handy way of excluding everyone from a conversation that they can't understand. Everyone else in the room is locked out if they don't happen to speak whatever language that you're conversing in. It's rude. And if I were answering this question, I, I'd say, okay, well, which, which conversations in public are you talking about? Hearing the people behind the counter at La Loma talking in Spanish as they bring me my tamale? Not in the least. Hearing air talent on national public radio uh, sounding something like this. Hello, I'm Ira Rosenblatt from National Public Radio News in New York. And in a recent poll, citizens in Oslo, Norway, Berlin, Germany, and Tegucigalpa, Honduras responded to a poll saying, I mean, it's virtue signaling. It's a way of saying, no, oh, I, I, I may be an adenoidal uh, Oberlin graduate who's been working in that bastion of upper middle class, purely lily white society, national public radio, my entire career. But when it comes to pronouncing Latin American names, I am down. I'm just Ira from the block. Tegucigalpa, Honduras. You hear this? On national public radio all the time, it's one of my pettiest of pet peeves. This idea that that national public radio air talent will say every other ethnic or foreign sounding name uh, like they're, uh, I don't know, an insurance salesman from Omaha. But when you get to the Latin names and the Spanish names, if you're if you're uh, talking about Europe, Barcelona, España, Ciudad Mexico. Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, people who, in every other aspect of their life, sound like there is white middle class, upper middle class European wasp uh, descent as anybody else, suddenly try to sound like they just came off the boat from Puerto Rico. And God bless those who actually came off the boat from Puerto Rico and actually have that accent. That bothers me. So would I have answered? Some are not much. In that context, yes, I would. Does that make me a xenophobe? I don't know. Does make me uh, does does coloring me as as annoyed by upper middle class white liberal virtue signaling make me a xenophobe? I don't think so. I don't think the term is quite that stretchy. Uh, more on that when we come back. Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM twelve eighty, The Patriot. We'll be right back. AM 1280, The Patriot. 
Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-444-2013. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes, are overweight, or have high blood pressure. Term Provider has helped thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-444-2013. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-444-2013. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds, too. Call 800-444-2013. 800-444-2013. Come on into the Rack Shack's new Egan location and wrap your taste buds around the Patriot Burger. Nick Anderson, General Manager of AM1280 The Patriot, here with Keith Hitner Sr. from the Rack Shack Barbecue. How are you liking that new Egan location? Oh, man, Egan is wonderful. We have so much more space and a dynamic center that allows us to better serve our in-store customer as well as our catering clients. You know, Keith, our listeners love the Patriot Burger almost as much as the Patriot. It's a brisket and chuck half-pound burger that's red, white, and blue through and through American cheese on top and the American flag proudly flies out of the top of the bun. The Patriot Burger comes with your choice of any of our sides, like our famous hand-cut fries, all just for $12.80. Get it? $12.80? Best burger in the USA. You really have to try today at the Rack Shack Barbecue's new Egan location. We're just a mile east of Cedar Avenue on Cliff Road in the heart of Cedar Cliff Center. You'll love our new digs. Come and see us today or join us at RackShackBarbecue.com. Rack Shack Barbecue, Hi, it's Hugh Hewitt for PatriotMobile.com, the country's only conservative cell phone carrier. Do you believe in abortion? Do you want sanctuary cities? And if not, why are you supporting these efforts with your cell phone? Big Mobile has given millions of dollars of your money to these causes when you pay your cell phone bill. That's why conservatives created Patriot Mobile, to give you a choice to stop supporting things you don't believe in. It's easy to switch to Patriot Mobile. You get the same reliable nationwide service, unlimited talk and text, plans starting as low as $25, and each bill you pay supports your values. Need more motivation? Mention Hugh Hewitt when you call 1-800-A-PATRIOT or visit them online at patriotmobile.com forward slash Hugh to get your activation fee waived. In fact, for two lines, you can make a difference, but only if you make the switch to Patriot Mobile. Call 1-800-A-PATRIOT. Or visit PatriotMobile.com forward slash Hugh. AM twelve eighty the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network. Is there anybody I will be back tomorrow. Just not if you can hear we'll have Brian Strasser from the Minnesota Gun Owners Caucus talking Is about the events of the last week and of the next week. Because we got one on, count it, one week yeah. left in the Minnesota State Legislature. And that is going to be big. We've got a couple of gun control bills that the DFL has jammed into a couple of omnibus public safety spending bills, mixing policy and spending. You're not supposed to do that, and yet they're doing it. This is going to be your chance to shine. And when I say shine, I mean blow up the phone lines, melt down the inboxes, drive the DFL crazy. Make them want to become comfortably numb rather than face the wrath of the populace. They're finding out. 
They're finding out that that 90% supporting uh, gun control number is baked monkey doodle. They're finding that real Minnesota did not participate in that poll. And we're going to talk more about that tomorrow here on the Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 12A, The Patriot. I'll be in for Brad Carlson. Brad will be back next week. I will be enjoying a fine week of enjoying uh, what promises to be a glorious week here in Minnesota. And I won't have to go into the office. 651-289-4488, the number to call should you care to join us. We still have a few minutes uh, to talk. Now, I was talking about this this Pew Research poll, which, interesting as far as it goes. I mean, it presents the data. And, And that's the most you can ask from a polling organization. They present the data that they gathered, and they presented it relatively even-handedly. I mean, it, it took some... Uh, I have no indication that they didn't actually collect uh, valid information and present it as dispassionately as possible. Pew, generally speaking, fairly good for that. I am talking here about the Washington Post spinning this as bad white Republicans, when in fact the numbers aren't that terribly different. And more importantly, there is no indication uh, that the... The, the extent to which white Republicans are bothered by foreign languages has anything more to do with uh, social rudeness than xenophobia. I mean, my grandma, who grew up speaking Norwegian until she was, I believe, eight years old, never talked Norwegian out in public unless she was around in a room full of, of Norwegians. I heard her speak Norwegian maybe twice in my life, and it was always when Sophie Swenson uh, was in the room. Uh, he came over while she was babysitting me. And they talk a little Norwegian, but it's just rude to exclude people. That's it. And I'm going to suspect the vast majority of, quote, right Republicans who say uh, languages, uh, foreign languages bother them are thinking socially rather than xenophobically. I will. Uh, the, the, the Pew Research poll gives us nothing to go by, which, let's be honest, affects my argument exactly as much as it affects the Washington Post's argument. Uh, let's go to St. Louis Park. Mark, you're on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Thanks for taking my comments. You know, you're almost out of time, but I think the breakdown between conservatives and liberals on diversity is I think conservatives believe in equal opportunity, provided you're qualified, regardless of race. I don't think conservatives care, as does liberals, I think, believe in equal outcomes and results, regardless if you have a college, have the grades to get into college, or if you have the experience for a job, if you have credit to buy a house. I think liberals, liberals believe that you have to maintain those those things in order to fulfill a specific race quota. And I think that's where the, the breakdown is between conservatives and liberals. I'll hang up and, and listen to your opinion. I, I agree 100%. That is exactly correct. And and it, it ties back to my idea that, that, that diversity is great as long as everyone's pulling towards the same goal. And by the way, the Pew poll also uh, goes in later sections into some uh, discussion of the subject, uh, who believes that diversity is good for democracy. And... My response to that, by the way, is and by that that may be the most important question in that poll, and I may have to write about that on the blog or maybe even talk about it on the show tomorrow. The the question really isn't isn't is diver, is diversity good for democracy? The question is diversity of what? What kind of diversity is good and or bad for democracy? Do you have people coming to this country who fundamentally believe that government exists to solve their problems, to take care of them, to give them stuff, to to uh, to 
ensure equality of outcomes in life? Or do you have people who come here in all of their vast array of diversity uh, with the belief that this government exists to defend and keep order in the country and basically allow the rest of us to live our lives the way we want to within within the bounds of, of the law? If you're a conservative, you probably believe the latter. And I, as a conservative, don't care if you are a white Presbyterian or a lesbian Muslim. I don't care as long as you are here to support the rule of law, the primacy of free markets, the the right of everyone to, to thrive and prosper according to their merits and desires. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you come from. I think most conservatives, especially real conservatives as opposed to populists, believe exactly that. I, well, I think we will take some time to talk about that on the show tomorrow when I'm in for Brad, because that, of all the things in this in this Pew poll, that is perhaps the most fascinating, uh, fascinating aspect of it. Not the part that the Washington Post keyed on in this particular article, which was basically a matter of upholding the narrative, white, right Republicans, xenophobic. It, it's, and, and given the, the extent to which Many Republicans come from areas, I'm talking especially out on the Great Plains, at least in theory, areas where, uh, at least historically, areas with relatively low racial diversity. That makes some sense. Although that has changed. You you go across the American heartland from west of the Mississippi uh, out to the Rocky Mountains, places that used to be as white as could possibly be, like my hometown, where I never met an African-American in person until I was 16, have changed drastically my hometown in the middle of north dakota has all sorts you, you go to walmart you see black people <laughs> african-americans working the checkouts and you hear spanish in the aisles as latino residents go about their day it's things have changed anyway we'll talk more about that tomorrow when i'll be in for brad carlson thanks for tuning in see you tomorrow god bless you all god bless america What would you do if you knew the skills that could help you make the right moves inside the financial markets? Skills designed to help you generate income and build confidence towards your retirement. For more than 20 years, Online Trading Academy has taught thousands just like you how to make better investing decisions. Call us today by dialing pound 250 on your cell phone. Use the keyword OTA. Again, pound 250, keyword OTA, or go to learnwithota.com. Here's some great news. If you miss the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or more importantly, if you sign up for a plan that you're just not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare, and MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing program. It's been around for 25 years. They have more than 400,000 members now around the country. And get this, over the years, MediShare members have shared more than $2 billion of each other's medical bills, so they could help share your needs too. And best of all, you could save a lot of money with MediShare. The typical savings for a family is around 500 bucks a month. Your savings could be more or less, but think about what you could do with that extra money every month. So if you think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. You can join MediShare anytime, so call them today and check it out. There's no pressure. They're super easy to talk to. 844-41-BIBLE. That's 844-41-BIBLE. 844-41-BIBLE. And now, a quick comparison from Grasshopper. 
When picking a phone number for business, what sounds more professional? Your personal number? Hold on, let me give you my cell. And uh, actually, let me get yours too, just so I don't ignore your call, you know? Or a dedicated business number, courtesy of Grasshopper. It was a pleasure meeting you. Our number is 1-833-IT-TROOP. Give us a call anytime. There's no contest. Put your best voice forward with Grasshopper, the virtual phone system for small business. Try it free at grasshopper.com. Budget meetings, young adult ministry meetings, mission and outreach meetings, what carpet should we buy for the office meetings? Twin Cities Pastors, you're invited to the 11th Annual Pastors Appreciation Lunch on Friday, May 17th. This luncheon is a remedy for too many meetings fever and is a healthy break from your overloaded schedule. Plus, it's free thanks to support from the Kingdom Builders. Reserve your seats for this time of fellowship and encouragement at am980themission.com. Would you invest $29 to make sure that your basement doesn't flood? Of course you would. Call Benjamin Franklin Plumbing for their $29 sump pump safety check. They'll put your pump through rigorous testing to make sure it will stand up to Mother Nature. They can also install a pump with a fail-safe battery backup in case of power failure. Call Benjamin Franklin, the punctual plumber. If there's any delay, it's you they pay. The $29 sump pump safety check ends soon. Call 877-BEN-1776. If there's any delay, it's you we pay. AM 1280, the three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.